0: And the only way to like succeed long-term and have people coming back to you and offering you their Rolodex and introductions and connections to where eventually you don't have to go out and knock on those doors anymore. People are just calling you every single morning. The only way to do that is to listen and take care of what people actually want and what people actually need.
1: Yo, 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 welcome back. We have got our first ever podcast coach on the show today, Travis Chappelle. Welcome, my man. Hey, thanks a lot, Vince. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is great. I want to just dive right into uh, our conversation here. And uh, for those who haven't heard of you, uh, Travis is a top 25 business podcaster. So I want to definitely find out how to how to start cracking those rankings. And he's got a very fast growing show called Build Your Network. And uh, he's on a mission to help others cultivate relationships the right way. And it might sound funny that we're actually talking about the necessity and the right and wrong way to build a relationship, and that that, that even needs to be a mission. But uh, we're going to quickly find out that um, this really is the missing formula in many people's lives. So I'm excited to dive into, um, you know, everything it takes to build a relationship the right way. I think this is going to translate into far more things than just business today. And, uh, one of the things that caught my attention when I went to Travis's page, uh, some time ago was the caliber of guests he had on his show. And I'll, and I'll be, uh, you know, blunt. I was like, how did this young guy get access to all these guys so quickly? What is he doing? And I was just like, almost intimidated by the lineup. And, uh, That really caught my attention. And after uh, publishing 200 episodes with uh, individuals such as John Maxwell, the uh, guru of leadership, he's actually one of the very first guys I ever heard at my church way back in... uh, Man, I wasn't even in university then. Uh, This is before he exploded. Tom Billie, Ed Milette, Grant and Elena Cardone, Dean Graziosi, Amy Porterfield. The list goes on and on. So uh, it's safe to say that this this man here has learned a few tricks or two, or techniques or strategies to build relationships that will um, unlock the next level in your life. So, hey, for our listeners, are you ready to uncover those secrets? Are you ready to start connecting with people who appear to be unreachable? Well, if so, Travis wants to help you. And um, I'm also um, really excited to hear him share a story today that I heard him share on Joel Marion's Born to Impact podcast with how he booked the famous Molly Bloom. And uh, Travis, I don't know if you know this, but... Uh, uh, she is, um, well, that movie is one of my all time favorite movies. And, uh, Jessica Chastain who played her is, uh, my all time favorite female Hollywood crush. So. <laughs> oh,
0: Nice. Yeah, man. That was a, that was a crazy one. And that movie is fantastic. You just definitely, if you, if you're listening to this and you have not watched that movie, you should definitely go watch that.
1: Yeah, this is going to get dropped on either a Tuesday or Friday, regardless if it's, a, if it's a Friday, especially make sure you watch it. Here's your plans for Friday night. Well, hey, yeah, man, officially, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Vince. Thanks for having me. So, you know, let's just dive right in. Story of, uh, you know, upbringing, story, events. I want to hear about what has helped you place a value on relationships because, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and, uh, my father was a pastor and what his uh, special gift was, was, uh, he, uh, discipled men. You know, my dad's been meeting the same group of men for breakfast for, for, for more than 35 years for, for, uh, there's a group of four of them. And, and that is just like, wow. Like if you want to talk about living a rich life, I don't care how much money, you know, Cardone will say, oh, if you don't have money, you can't be rich. My dad would argue with that.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people that would argue with that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) and I think uh, you can be rich without money, and I think it all comes back to relationships. And I'm Mm. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. So, just take us back in time and uh, help us get to know you and and where this uh, belief that relationships is where you want to, you know, build your currency uh, came from.
0: Yeah, man. So, uh, first off, thanks for having me on the show. I know how, um, arduous the process is of trying to figure out who you want to bring in front of your audience and things like that. So I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, so to kind of take, to take it way back here, I also grew up in a very religious, uh, type of a home and, uh, we growing up, it was the, the kind of culture that I grew up in was very, um, um, uh, one track minded in terms of what they wanted all of the kind of the kids that were growing up in the church to do with their lives, and so for me, like at a really young age, like eleven or twelve years old, I, I committed to like full time ministry, right? And so that's actually what I have my degree in. It's Bible and church ministries. I double majored in college, Bible church ministries. I was going to be a youth pastor and uh, and things like that. When I got out, of, when I got when I got out of school. And, but I, when I, I remember my junior year of college was the first time I ever started making any sort of like, you know, pretty good money. And at, at the time, as a 19 year old college student, it was great money. Um, and I, I started knocking doors and doing door-to-door sales. And, uh, I, I, that same exact year that I started knocking, I was also interning at a church every weekend. Um, so I, I lived in LA County, uh, small town called Lancaster. Uh, so every weekend, a buddy of mine and I, we would drive down to Newport beach and, uh, we would intern at a church every weekend. And what was interesting, Vince was I on the weekends was doing the thing that I thought I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And on the weekdays, I was going to school and I was working my, uh, my sales job. And I found myself on the weekends being more excited to get back to school so that I could work my job rather than the opposite. And it was the first time in my life where I was really like, wow, okay, so the thing that I'm supposed to be doing for the rest of my life is something that I'm like not looking forward to and something that I'm dreading. And the thing that I'm supposed to be doing just for like extra money during college is something that I actually super enjoy. And it was the first time I really like stepped back and was like, okay, maybe that means I should reevaluate for a a quick second here. And, uh, so that's, that's what I ended up doing. I, I ended up graduating college. Um, and, uh, I, I just kept, you know, selling, uh, the, the company that I was working for at the time and, uh, when I had made that decision to like not go into ministry, just the kind of the the dynamics of how I grew up in the particular circle that I grew up in um, a lot of people didn 't agree with my decision, and so i I kind of and this kind of wraps into your question of why relationships matter so much to me. Um, when I stepped out of that sort of bubble, that, that subculture, it was like a subculture of a subculture of Christianity. So there's a Christianity as a whole, we were like a subculture, 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 like small bubble. Like I I graduated kindergarten, eighth grade high school and college on the same exact campus, not, not even the same city, like the same campus. So I went to, you know, school there kindergarten through my senior year of college. And I went to church every weekend. So basically, seven days a week, I was on this one particular like 20 acre campus in the same city for like the first 20 years of my life, basically. Um, And so coming out of that, when I decided to go more of like a business direction, I knew that that was like the direction that I wanted to head in. I didn't have a ton of support, I guess what I'm trying to say from, you know, people I grew up with people like friends, mentors, and all the people that I had in that circle. Um, So when I jumped into this industry, I was quite literally starting from scratch. Like I didn't know anybody. I, I'd never yeah. even met a millionaire before, let alone like had a conversation or a friendship with one. Um, but I knew that was the direction that I wanted to head down. And so the, the networking conversation, the relationships um, that I've built up in my life now mean so much to me because I had zero to begin with. I had zero to start out with. And I, and I, I was forced to jump in and just really start getting to know people.
1: Yeah, before we go in that whole direction that I do want to go in, what do you think it is? Like I had this conversation with uh, another individual that is in um, you know, a, faith, a Christian circle and mm-hmm. uh he wants to pursue entrepreneurship and he's been heavily warned to be on your guard. You know, mm-hmm. the, these are the things of the world. Mm-hmm. And he's been really wrestling with it and feels that and I, I'm sure there's a lot of believers listening who may be on this track and we're not trying to pull any way away. There, there's, there's uh, a need for obviously pastors and ministry. Mm-hmm. My parents have been doing it for 35 years and, and they, uh, they live off of support. You know, mm-hmm. they don't, nobody pays them a salary. They have to right. win over support donors who mm-hmm. support and they have a cap. They can only raise so much. And so I grew up in that. I understand that. And, um, you know, I even grew up under the pressure, not like direct pressure, but it was almost like this was the highest calling that my life could be, being on a pulpit ministering to people every Sunday. And I saw the impact my father was having. I'm like, what higher calling could there be? So, you know, just I don't want to just brush over that time in your life. Like, just kind of speak to us in terms of how you did. You know, trust your gut. Uh, there obviously was a prompt to leave, and I and I believe those prompts come from the big guy to to move in a different direction. But from you know our, our circle, who's maybe played it safe their whole life and haven't ventured outwards and haven't trusted that some of those prompts to leave and go somewhere else might be from him, uh, will try and hold you back, and mm-hmm. and their their fears now are trying to be imparted upon you as as fears you should have how did you just handle leaving a world that was, would have, you know, just pretty much kept patting you on the back. Hey, good pl- you're, you This is a place you need to be. And you just felt like, you know what? I, I don't know about that. I feel yeah. like there's something else out there for me.
0: That's a uh, man. That's a, a really tough question because it's such a, it's it's just such a, a delicate type of a situation because you, you have people on that side of the fence in, for the most part, ninety percent of those people have the best feelings toward you and the best intentions when they tell you those types of things, and when they're, you know, quote unquote, warning you of, of like being a part of the world and and not getting tempted by money and things like that. Um, and, I, and I understand that a lot of that stuff comes from a good place for the most part, um, but I think there just has to be a level of self awareness involved, which is something that I think. Um, growing up in like a super religious type of a, 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 a household or a culture, I think that's something that they don't teach as much is like self-awareness and uh, because it's almost looked at as being selfish. and um, and I, I think the two are completely completely separate. I think self-awareness is, paramount to figuring out um your happiness and fulfillment in life and uh and i think that i think that sometimes sometimes when you grow up in that you know sort of light you can kind of get this feeling that like if i want to do it it's almost bad like if i if i think it's going to benefit me it's it's almost bad like there's this mentality that if you are um if you're trying to serve god and you're trying to be successful that you can't do both like it's like you, you you almost have to suffer you know, monetarily, financially. uh, And like, there's like this, there's like this crown that you wear proudly by suffering financially and having the Lord provide all your meals or whatever it is. And um I, I, I look that I look at that as more of like a selfish way of living, to be honest, because you're always a burden on other people. And I don't think that's the way that like <laughs> I don't even think that's how the way that God intended it to be. Right. You know, like I, I would talk to people and I don't mean this in a douchebag kind of a way, Vince, but I would talk to people before that were just like, Well, you know, the Lord provided, the Lord provided, you know, we make twenty twenty four thousand dollars a year being a youth pastor, but you know lord provided our meals for us this saturday and it was like okay lord provided your meals but like that was a guy that you know you teach his son in sunday school and he makes you know a quarter million dollars a year and he knew that you were suffering so he bought you food like i think it's way less directly correlated to like god looking down on them and saying bless you for suffering here's food (laughs) you know what i'm saying like i i think that there's there's such a, a people uh, people tend to spiritualize too many things, um, oh, yeah. and and uh, and just kind of like say it's out of my control, right? Which I'm not a fan of saying that I'm a fan of taking ultimate responsibility for everything that happens in life. And, um, and if we, if we have that outlook, we can take things into control and not just like leave everything up to God and say like, you know what, I'm not going to do anything. And I'm just going to, pre- like, I'm just going to say, you know what, it's all up to God. And, uh, you're never meeting God halfway. You're never meeting, you know, the universe, whatever you believe in, like, you're never meeting that you know, entity halfway and, uh, doing actual work anymore because you're just hoping that everything works out good because you read your Bible every day. And, uh, I think that that's almost like a, 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 um, um, a victim mentality that people take into it. So, I mean, I could go on this rabbit hole for a really, really long time. Yeah. Yeah. So could uh, I could uh, jump
1: in here too, but there's so many great things we could chat about. No, that's really important. I think that's a great place to just, uh, pause and just, yeah, what you said, don't over-spiritualize everything. And sometimes, um, uh, you know, challenges in our life are not coming from the devil. They're coming from our stupidity. <laughs> mm, right. Right. <laughs> just like not everything is an attack from the enemy. Sometimes we exactly, just, just make dumb decisions or we <laughs> <Yeah. don't laughs> act with resources right in front of us and take right. massive action. So uh, I, I'm glad that we touched on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and just real quick on that on that part, too, because that, that is something that I think people really struggle with, because I did when I was trying to make that decision. Um, whenever I had these thoughts of like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be in ministry, maybe you should be in business. I I like immediately chalked it up to like, oh, that's the devil. Like that's Satan just planting thoughts in my head to like prevent me from fulfilling my ultimate calling, and I and it just it came from honestly just a lack of self awareness. I just didn't I didn't I didn't know myself enough at the time to know that you know what maybe I'm not built for this path. I'm probably built for this path, and it's totally okay, and not just okay, but fantastic either way. Like whatever path you're built for, amazing. Just follow that path and have the self awareness to understand um, that like not everything. Thing is for everyone.
1: That's so good. And, you know, soon we're going to discover some, some of the guests you've had on your show, who've had, you know, who have massive influence, who are not uh, being apologetic about their beliefs in that. And man, oh man. So imagine they were. So, yeah. Hey, let's come back to what was it that you loved about what you're doing Monday to Friday? Was this when you were doing door to door sales?
0: Yeah, it was when I was doing door to door. Um, so I I don't know if I necessarily enjoyed the actual task of knocking doors as much as I enjoyed the whole culture of like, um, of getting out there and competing and, um, and making money. It was, I mean, the first time I, I mean, I I always had that entrepreneurial itch, you know, like I always brought stuff to school in elementary and sold it to the other kids. And, you know, I started my first landscaping business before my senior year of high school and a buddy of mine just mowed lawns and like put in, saw jobs for investors. And like, like I was, I was trying to make a buck, right? I was always trying to make some money. Uh, but this was the first time, like I was 19 in college and uh, Oh, well, after I turned 20, I was a team leader. I had 18 guys that I was managing on my team. Um, so I would like put together trainings and I would take them out knocking. Um, I was working 25 to 30 hours a week. I was taking 21 credits a semester. I was playing college basketball. Like it was just a busy productive time of my life. And, uh, um, uh, the thing that I liked about it, I think was just the entire culture of doing it. So at the time I was, you know, 19, 20 years old making like 75, $80,000 a year. Like that's pretty good living that's for like, for doing that at, 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 that, at that age. And so it, I almost got it. Like I started to get addicted to that process that like dopamine hit every time you could like overcome an objection and get somebody oh. to buy something when, uh, when you couldn't like when, when they weren't intending on buying something before, like I, I just kind of got I kind of started falling in love with that whole process.
1: So, so you caught the sales bug. I caught the sales bug too. When I was, uh, 23, I didn't even know this world existed, persuasion, influence, uh, you know, emotional intelligence. I never heard any of these words growing up in in the context of, uh, this. So I want to hear what was the, uh, what was Tell me about a day that you wanted to quit the job. (laughs) I remember when, uh, I was in the office, I was doing face-to-face sales, you know, eight hours a day, a couple of years straight. And I remember just, I was, I was so wanted to close this deal and it just got to a point at the end where it was, I was so like lost and frantic. My face was heating up and, and, um, the lady just said to me, um, are we done here? Because I, it was just completely <laughs> pushing the sale. And I didn't know just like the get her out. And I was like, Oh my God, I never want to do this job ever again. The rest of my life, it was the biggest rejection, the most embarrassment. I felt like a complete idiot loser. You ever have one of those days?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so many you <laughs> can't even count those days, man. Uh, uh, that, that was really when I first started learning what like enjoy the process meant. And, um, I'm very much a numbers guy and that's what that's like numbers saved me on those days. Um, because I, I trusted in my gut in the law of averages. I just trusted that that was going to always happen. Like the law of averages was always going to come true. That law of averages is always going to fix itself. So if I had a dry spell, if I had three or four, like normally when I would go out, I would go for, um, so when I was selling alarms, like uh, I, I would go out and I would knock and I would go for a deal a day. It's what I always told myself, get a deal a day, deal a day, like go out for four days a week, come home with a deal a day. That's a, and then I, I you know, running and managing my team, Um, that right there is a six-figure income. So that was my goal. And when I would have a three or four-day dry spell, I just kept in mind that the law of averages is always going to, is always going to, uh, fix itself. So, and it always did like the next week I would sell two or three in a day and it would make up for the ones that I didn't sell the previous couple of days. Um, so yeah, you always have days like that, but uh, you know, if you, if you run into those days and then you quit, then you're probably not, you know, uh, probably not uh, going to be making it very, very long.
1: Yeah. I always say my running days and my sales days were like what laid the foundation for everything that was to come. Yeah. what, What did you sell? Personal training, okay, and gotcha. gym memberships. Yeah, uh, actually, right. heck, I should go back. In high school, I used to sell Cutco knives. Yes, I got laughed at by all my buddies in high school because you know I would go to their houses and I'd have my book open and I'd be reading, <laughs> trying to close their mom on a on a yeah. chef's knife. <laughs> 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 or a that's, set of that's where uh, the hustle was, man. Or a, yeah. uh, well, you know what? My deal. The deal was my parents gave me back. Uh, in university was that they would match whatever I made from my job. Oh, so it nice. It was about, you know, $12,000 a year for living room board. So if I hustled from essentially 7 AM to four thirty kind of job then trained at night, cause that's when I was a competitive runner, I would make about $6,000 over four months just from a job. Hmm. And then, um, I would also sell Cutco knives to get that up. Actually, it was more like four or five grand, something. Yeah, I think five is grand. And then the Cutco knives would bring me up to about six, seven grand over the course of a summer. Then they would match that. And then that's how I graduated debt-free. So I I was doing it out of, you know, it was a great goal. Hmm. Um, I learned numbers too. I just like, man, I just have to get in front of more people. What were some other just like two or three uh, lessons that laid a foundation for you for now looking back to what you do today, you're like, wow, I'm able to get through this, and other guys aren't because I had those experiences early on.
0: Yeah, um, uh, this is going to sound generic, but sales in general, like the 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 general ability to sell and persuade on a one on one basis, um, I, I think is I think honestly is the reason that I, I've been able to do well in a condensed period of time online because. Like I tell people, like oh, I've been doing this for two years, but really I've been doing it for like eight years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so, when I say I've been doing this for two years, people are like, oh wow, that's 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 incredible. That's crazy. Um, and then and then we start having conversations about you know somebody that I that I sold over the phone. They're Like man, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you talk to people on the phone and sell them stuff. Like I don't know how you do that. And uh, and it just like it, 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 I totally forget that it's a skill set that I took five years, six years of like knocking on thousands of doors to develop. And uh, it's something that a lot of people don't have. So that's honestly what allowed me to transition into podcasting. So I've been podcasting for a little bit over two years and uh, I went full-time after 13 months of podcasting, um, which is for the industry really, really rare to become a full-time podcaster with no existing business within 13 months of starting a show with less than 500 downloads per episode. Like all of those things are very... Um, are very, uh, uh, you know, uh- not, not the norm in that industry. Right. And I look at it very much correlated and tied to the skill sets that I built while I was knocking doors, because that's what allowed me to be able to say, you know what, it's not intimidating to me to hop on a phone call and sell a high ticket product or service. Um, it's not intimidating to me to like stand up in front of people and do trainings. It's not intimidating to me to create this content because like I was already doing a lot of these things for four five, six years. I just wasn't sharing it online. It was just all like in-person interactions and um, building up your emotional intelligence. I think is an invaluable skill that will take you into whatever you do in life, um, because you know the the seven thirty-eight fifty-five rule stands true. You know, seven percent of communication is the words that we say. Thirty-eight percent of communication is our uh, tonality, um, and uh, and then fifty-five percent is body language and facial expressions. And uh, when you knock on thousands of doors and talk to thousands of people, um, you hear all the lies in the world. You get rejected in very colorful ways. There's so many different reactions. There's so many different people, races, cultures, like so many different types of individuals. People, you you, you have to learn how to be- how to be good with people or you're not going to make it in that industry um let alone make you know six figures plus knocking doors and uh, so that you have to learn those skills and taking those skills into like every other part of your career will only benefit
1: you let's let's talk about some of those skills so you know so you've got a young son now
0: i do four months almost five yeah
1: how's that going by
0: the way it is going. It is going. We, we got kind of lucky though, Vince. I can't, I can't lie. Cause he's uh, from what I understand, I, I don't know much about babies, but from what I understand, he's a pretty, he's a pretty good baby. He sleeps when he's supposed to sleep and doesn't fuss a lot. He's pretty happy, smiley. So we, we got kind of lucky with that.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. Don't, don't don't let your wife talk to my wife and tell her that because ours didn't, our first two didn't sleep for like 10 months straight. Oh no.
0: Yeah. We, <laughs> like, we got lucky, man. Three weeks. Three weeks yeah. in, you're sleeping through the night. So,
1: we well, got that's awesome. Happy. Hey, I, I will tell you, things can change though. <laughs> 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 I've heard that
0: from multiple people. So I'm, I'm right now I'm trying to savor <laughs> the fact like that's I just awesome. put him down for My wife is, uh, my wife's actually a private jet flight attendant. and So she got called for a flight late last night. And so she took off for today. So I'm on dad duty today. I just oh, put him cool. down for a nap, but as soon as I like, as soon as I like snuggled him and like, like rocked a little bit, he was passed out and he's taking a nap right now.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Jeez. Um, well, Hey, listen, so let's talk about those specific skills. You know, yeah. what's, you know, what's a skill I need to be developing early on here? If I want to lay a foundation to, to be good at sales, uh, I want to eventually be able to communicate clearly, effectively. I want to be able to book guests on my podcast show. I want to be able to, uh, you know, persuade and compel people to take action. What, what are some, uh, let's talk about one or two skills, specifics. For sure. One, uh, listening. Um, People typically
0: equate sales to talking. And uh, anybody that does it at a high level knows that it's the exact opposite of that. Uh, because if you just talk, 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 then you don't know what the customer needs. And if you don't know what the customer needs, how are you gonna sell them something? Um, the, the only way to be successful with that is to be extremely pushy. And that success is going to be very, very short term. I see a lot of salespeople training this way nowadays, and, and, it's, and it's very, I think, toxic. Um, and sometimes when you even go into some of their sales environments, um, like uh, I've been to a couple events that are put on by a couple top sales trainers and you walk around and people are just pitching everybody. And it's just like, well, this is, these are the types of students that this particular person is creating. They're all pushy and like forceful and, and, and pressure type people. And like, will that work? And the bottom line is, unfortunately, yes, it will work, but only for a short period of time. Like you're going to have to go out and get the same exact business today that you went out and got yesterday because nobody's going to have a good experience with you. And the only way to like succeed long-term and have people coming back to you and offering you their Rolodex and introductions and connections to where eventually you don't have to go out and knock on those doors anymore. People are just calling you every single morning. The only way to do that is to listen and take care of what people actually want and what people actually need. So it, listening is a is a paramount skill.
1: Before we, you you do your second one, uh to add to that, I almost feel like there's this thing that comes with sales maturity. Initially, you have this kind of uh maybe you've had a couple of deals, your confidence is up, you start hearing all the tapes. There's 7 billion people in the world. Don't worry if you lose one, just get the next one. And um you just get into this churn machine that you quickly, not maybe quickly for everyone, but eventually see that, wow, um, there's there's actually a more effective way of uh, doing this. And it's not to close them, but to help them close themselves mm. and to start to challenge everything they're saying and to try and disqualify them. And ensure they are doing this or need what you have so that they walk into it. And really that's like when somebody makes a decision and they discover for themselves, this is you know just the f- a faster way to get to where I want to go. I was already going in this direction and the salesperson has the ability to facilitate that. That takes a level of maturity to know that like what you're doing, this is what's going to get them to take massive action as well. Not just become a, a client, but a success story. Now, I've, I've shifted to a completely different way of selling too. Cause I used to be pushy and, and intentional and just, you're not committed. Why not? What if we give you all the <laughs> tools? If we could get you a nine out of 10, you're not going to be able to do this. I thought this is what you said. I thought this isn't your word. And then it's just like, yeah, you know, I'll be honest. It doesn't sound like this is the, is the right time for you. Yeah. Well, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. Sorry. Help me understand why we're talking right now then. I might have missed something. And just again, not as a tactic, but genuinely like, are you sure you want to do this? Right. Almost just continually taking it away. Because if somebody doesn't feel like they fought their way into it, they're not going to fight their way to stay.
0: Mm. Yeah, totally. So all of this, I think, comes down to being aware about your product or your service, um, which is one of the first things that I tell my people, like when I was training a lot, I would tell people all the time is like, the first and most important sale is the one, that you do it to yourself, like you need to be sold on whatever it is that you're selling. Um, the the one time I was not successful in sales, Vince was um, it was it was right before I got into podcasting, and um, a, a friend of mine was selling uh, for Home Depot exteriors, and uh, basically you sell like uh, siding, window jobs, um, <laughs> um, like like front doors, and you know uh, roofing. Like you sell these giant construction jobs, and it's actually a hundred percent commission. Like sales rep for Home Depot, and a friend of mine was doing it at the time. He was pulling in like 30 G's a month or something. He was one of the top guys in the country, and he was telling me about it. And I was like, "Yo, that sounds super interesting." Like um, I was at the time looking for something. I wasn't. I didn't really know exactly what I was going to be doing next. I was in that searching phase, and uh, so I jumped in and started selling for Home Depot. Now, no no shade to Home Depot or anything, but I. Did not do well with it uh, the, every sales job i've ever done i've immediately like rose to the top mm. of the producers and uh, i was expecting the same thing to happen with this but it didn't happen and uh, after a couple of months i really started to figure out why and it was because i didn't personally believe in the product like whenever i would pitch a product and i would look at our price comparatively to other people's prices like i, I it was i i couldn't convince myself like i knew th- i knew in my head in my heart of hearts i knew that if i were in their position i would not buy my product I would buy somebody else's product. And so it was anytime there was an objection, like some people just love Home Depot. So like, if I like laid it all out and they were like, okay, let's do it. Then sure. I'll let you buy it because you know, you're buying Home Depot. Really. You're not buying a window job at that point right. when you're paying that X, ex- that much extra for, for windows, when you could be paying this much for like virtually the same thing. But as if anybody had an objection, I was immediately just like, Yep, you're right. Anyway, take it easy, have a good one because I personally did not think that I would be, so I couldn't convince them of the same thing. And I think that internal belief of of knowing that, hey, look, look, Vince, if you invest in podcast consulting with me, like I 100% guarantee that you're going to see the results that you want. And if you don't, I swear, I'll give you all of your money back because like, this is something that I've I've vetted, I've tested time and time again. I'm 100% invested in making you successful and I know that it's going to work out. So really the only question is, do you want to take this seriously? Because if you take it seriously, you're going to see results hands down, no questions asked, because like, right. I believe it. I've seen the process happen over and over Again, and I 100% believe it's going to work for you if you're willing to put in the work.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's it's are you doing this with or without me? Mm, I love that. Is the train going forward whether I'm coming with you or not? Yes. And a lot of people just stop. You know, you you just and I, I and I appreciate that conversation. So I'm not. I realize what's actually happening. I say, well, hey, listen. I think what you really need to do right now is just be honest with yourself do you actually want to do this or do you just like some of the side benefits that could come with? Because you do, you know what Tom Bilyeu says, uh, (laughs) success is not guaranteed. Struggle is. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. (laughs) There's no no guarantee in this. Right. I like that. And, And also what you're doing is when you say
0: stuff like that is you're creating realistic expectations. Um, Because that's also how a lot of people lose customers uh, after the initial sale. They promise everything in the world and how amazing it's going to be and how it's going to be so easy. And then they get in and they're like, hey, this isn't easy. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, look what I used to do. And it's like, yeah, but I don't care. You told me this, it was going to be a certain way. And now you've created this distrust with somebody who's paid you money, which means that they're probably not going to pay you money anymore because people only pay money to people that they trust.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Like we've even, you know, in the earlier days of selling my mastermind, I would let them know, I would really kind of sit on the $1,900 a month or prior when I launched, it was 1500 a month, uh, $1,900 a month now. But I I say, are you prepared for a $25,000 investment? Because I want mm-hmm. them to wrap their mind around the investment for the whole year. Not that uh, if I make money this month, I'll be able to stay in the program. No, you're, you're starting the way you're going to be successful is by going all in committing to the whole thing. Mm. So setting that expectation, um, just, just two things I want to really quickly touch on. I, I used to do multi-level marketing way back in the day when I was trying to pay my way through university. Who, who as didn't well. who didn't, bro? Uh, <laughs> and, and thinking about like, I actually, um, got a lot of, um, value in terms of what Information I was in, introduced to you primarily books on wealth creation and personal development, and mm-hmm. good people I was introduced. That's,
0: that's the number one benefit of network marketing, right there. Like even if you never make a dime, it usually introduces you to personal development and introduces you to a ton of people who have a similar mindset that you have. And a lot of people end up doing business together, never in network marketing again, but like other businesses and are super successful. So yeah, yeah. yeah just just uh, to interject there really quick. Sorry, no, it's good. Yeah, I
1: heard Cardone was uh, rifting on this the other day. He goes everyone should do multi level marketing because people have exactly what you need. And you went on a whole tangent on, right. it was a really good point. Like everybody should be in network marketing because you will find people who need your products and services. Right. So, uh, um, you at least for the tax
0: write-off. At least yeah. if, if, like, if you're at a W-2 job, join a network marketing company so you can write off stuff for your business expenses because you don't have a business, you have to pay all your taxes. You know what I mean? So, like, I, mean, I don't know how it works up uh, in Canada and stuff, but like in the states, if you have that business, like, you can write off things as business expenses. Yeah, it's the same thing. So, yeah,
1: yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing. So, um, one thing I realized, I didn't realize it in a moment, but the products I was promoting, I just I didn't buy into them. And that's mm. why it didn't work. And then, uh, I was a part of the, uh, big affiliate marketing days, you know, me and Joel grew up in those days and, um, 2006 to about 2000, I'd say 13, you know, you would promote somebody's offer. And if it was a good one, I mean, you can make heck. I mean, the first time I promoted Joel's offer, uh, cheat your way thin, he's talked about the success of that prog- program on his podcast and that, I, be, I believe I made $53,000 in commissions from like three emails. This was uh, when we first met 2009 and th- those, that was just a regular occurrence, you know, to do, you know, to promote somebody's high converting offer and to not make $75,000 was just like, Oh, what happened there? Did the emails go out? <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was, because it was so good what happened was people weren't like i wasn't even reviewing some of the programs i was promoting i didn't know who i was promoting but every once in a while one would slip through the cracks and your thank goodness you know some of your uh not afraid to call you all customers would say hey Vinny, did you see this one (laughs) right right and next thing you know um certain offers aren't converting and this started happening to everybody at the same time, even though it was with the same strategies in that. And it was, um, you know, because people were just sending out swipe emails. Nobody was like providing like custom bonuses and that. And it was people obviously sifted out and like, Hey, these aren't genuine promotions. I picked up on that and I got much more selective about who Mm. I promoted, and I would start coming out with bonuses for. And I wouldn't promote products anymore. I would start promoting people and say, you can trust this person. And I would have, you know, a photo with them and I would actually go into their program and I would actually point out things. that This is actually something that I don't agree with, but you'll be able to make the most of it if this is something you're looking for or this product's missing this. So I created a bonus to fill that gap. And then the next thing, you know, I was, you know, able to compete with guys who had list size, like, you know, if my list was a hundred thousand guys who had like close to a million um, people on their list, I could beat them in promotions because they were just using the same old swipe emails. And I was saying only buy this if, and when you buy this product, you also get this bonus. Everything was right from me. And I saw the power of, you know, your name, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the only thing you got. If you're promoting stuff that you don't believe in man. Oh man, you're, you're done. So uh, I'm glad that we talked about these, those two things on how to build a, build a a strong sales base. Let's shift to podcasting. How did you, uh, you know, enter this entrepreneur world, this crazy world, and uh, just kind of take us now to how you got introduced to the world of podcasting and how it became a, you know, something that you wanted to pursue.
0: Yeah so I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier but uh, basically when I was when I was doing that Home Depot thing I was I was searching for what I was going to do next because after like 5 or 6 years of Door to Door I, 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 it was really counterintuitive to be honest, Vince. Because when I first started looking to do something else, it was actually coming off of my best year in door to door. I was like 22, 23, and I just made six figures for the first time ever. And it was like 20-hour work weeks. Like when when you so there's two usually two types of door to door. There's year-round knockers and there's summer programs. Summer programs they go out for like four months from like May to September, and they knock 12 hours a day and they make six figures in four months, and then they're done and they like go back to school or, uh, or like go do other business ventures or whatever. I was year round rep. So I would knock from like four o'clock to seven o'clock at night. Um, because if you knock 12 hours a day, like for me personally, I would fatigue myself and you go burn out real quick when you're knocking that many doors. And so, um, we would do four o'clock to seven o'clock. I was like 20 hours a week, 22 making six figures. I was like coming off of a high of a year. But what happened was I started kind of looking into the future and realizing that, this wasn't where I wanted to end up. So I I, I would look, you know, it was my first year in that particular office with that particular um, industry and product, which was alarms. And I was already this, out of like 35 guys, I was the second highest paid rep in that office in my first year. And so looking at it after that, I was like, wait a second, where's this going, right? Like five years from now, 10 years from now, what is this going to look like? Maybe an extra 15 to 20% of my income because I'm already really, really, really close to that ceiling. Like if I doubled my work ethic, I could probably increase my production by 30%, like maybe. So am I gonna be cool at age 34, still knocking doors and making one hundred and thirty? hundred and thirty hundred? $140,000 a year. And the answer was a resounding no. And uh, so as soon as I figured that out, I kind of stopped basically immediately. And uh, for the first time in my life dove into like personal development and uh, started reading some books, listening to some audio books, like watching some YouTube videos. And that's when I discovered podcasts for the first time. And I started consuming podcasts um, and listening to a ton of different shows and things like that. And um come across uh, a show called Entrepreneur on Fire with my friend, John Lee Dumas, started consuming, listening as much as I could. And uh, he had this free podcasting course. And I was like, Oh, this sounds interesting. I have no idea what I'm going to do next. But this seems like a really cool way to kind of discover whatever that's going to be, because it exposes you to so many different routes and connections and people and industries and things like that. So um, took that course. And then, uh, and then um, all of a sudden, just um, reached out to John and got to know him a little bit from there and jumped into the podcasting online entrepreneurship world.
1: And so that's great. So, so John's a big deal. And I, I think there's, there's little things you say. And I don't even know if like you're aware of how powerful they are, but a lot of people ask me, how do you get on the radar of somebody else's, um, you know, how, sorry, how do you get on his radar period? Um, I did this with Eben Pagan when he came out with his, um, what was it called, um, Guru? I think it was called. Uh, what the heck was it called, Guru Mastermind? I think that's what it was. It, it wasn't like a like a small group mastermind. It was a big event. You flew up to LA three times a year. Um, oh, I'm missing a word there. I think it was the Guru Mastermind. And I knew that he needed um, help with his fitness. <laughs> I mean, he's not like a big guy. Uh, so I, I went through the course and they had a contest. And the contest was going to give the top transformation student a free laptop. And this is when my business was getting going, 2008, 2009. And I um, ended up being, I, I couldn't believe it, like 500 people who bought this course, how was I the top success story? But they brought me up on stage in front of 500 people. And um, I had uh, connected with Evan prior to that event. And I knew that he was like trying to work out and stuff. And I said, why don't you meet me in the gym tomorrow morning? And, you know, I'll show you a couple of things, you know, this is when I was in my, you know, prime training hard in that. So I took him down to the gym and I found out like his little routine and all that. It was a really funny interaction. Uh, listeners will like this, but uh, he's very calculated. If you know Evan Pagan and it was something along the lines of, well, when I wake up, I have my two cups of water. And I walk my flight of stairs once. Um, and then he was like the second time I walk a double. And then I go into my uh, room and I do six push push-ups and I do five chin-ups and six, seven squats. It was like, so I was like, and then I, I said, what do you think I should do next? And I said, um, well, next week you should just do a second set of everything. And he goes, a second set? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I always like was trying to keep a, straight, but it's like a second set. And I said, yeah, second set. He like, yeah, you know, you got to build up the time. And right. he never heard that before. And he was so yeah. grateful for that tip, you know, a second
0: set. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, that just speaks to like, everybody has their expertise right. and there's some, like there is some value that you can offer. Cause that's the biggest, I think limiting belief is that people just don't believe that they have value to offer to people that are, you know, in a, leadership position or the quote unquote, their heroes. Like they don't feel like they have value to offer to them. So they, they keep putting out, they, they keep putting the activity off like, Oh, I'll network. I'll, you know, I'll try to get in those circles in five years from now, after I've built my million dollar business, like after I feel like I have value to bring to the table, then I'll go build those relationships. And, uh, it, it's, it's really, quite the opposite of that. It, I think relationships first, then comes the skill sets and the knowledge and the information to allow you to build those seven figure business, eight figure, whatever your goals are much faster than you would be able to, if you just try to figure it out on your own.
1: Yeah. And this is what I want to talk about and sit on for a little bit, because I think uh, I would, I've today. I will like, Oh, I can't ask, uh, you know, Ken Clothier to come on my podcast. Like, He, he's got a billion dollar, you know, financial statement. I'm like, so talk to, talk to our listeners about like finding, knowing that there's different forms of currencies, there's different ways to provide value. And, and I actually wrestled for this. Why do I feel like the only way I offer, I can offer value to somebody is if I make more money than them. Hmm. And that's a that, that's a big that's a whole other conversation might require therapy, yeah. but <laughs> uh, but you know early on I discovered that okay Evan Pagan there's no amount of money that I can give him he's right. already got all access like he already knows all the top affiliates and guys that can promote his stuff so. Mm-hmm. And then I realized there's so many other ways just to create value. One, every time I saw him afterwards, I say, Eben, you're looking good, man. Let me see those arms. And he would just light up. I'm like, just simple stuff. Like value can be a compliment. Mm -hmm. Value can be a a workout program or sending the guy a nutrition plan or, you know, hey, try this supplement. I heard you mention this. There's so many ways that we can offer value. I just love to kind of hear your rift a bit on, how, how, you know, different examples, things you may share with your clients on like, just, you know, ways to get a foot in the door, if you will.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually have a whole training on this because I think it's so valuable that people, what I would always tell people is your network will always increase in direct proportion to the amount of value that you can add to other people bottom line. If you become a more valuable person, you can add more value to higher level people. That's why somebody like Mark Zuckerberg can connect with literally anybody in the world that he wants to connect with because he has an insane amount of value. He's a multi-multi billionaire. He is super famous. He has a lot of exclusivity to himself and his brand. Like Mm -hmm. He's made himself an insanely valuable person and the value that he can offer other people is through the roof so he can connect with anybody. Right. So take that and think about yourself. You know, I'm not Mark Zuckerberg. I don't make, I'm not worth $20 billion, whatever the guy's worth, any like these days. Like, I don't have the connections with that this guy has. So, like, I'm starting down here, like, with the resources and the skill sets and the things that I currently have access to. But, That doesn't mean that you can't add value. It just means it's going to look different. So if you're broke, you can not add value by buying somebody's programs and being their number one student because you're broke, right? But if you are broke, you probably have something that a lot of people who aren't broke have uh, none of which is time, um, and uh, and time is a, a huge, a hugely valuable asset, especially to people who don't have a lot of it. Um, so when when I looked at it, when I, when I was trying to connect with John, um, I um, I was in the same position. I looked at, and I was like, look, this is John Lee Dumas, top you know business podcaster for seven, eight, nine years now. Um, he makes millions of dollars a year. He has interviewed the best of the best, like the Tim Ferris's and Gary Vaynerchuk's and Tony Robbins of the world. He's, he's interviewed the top entrepreneurs in the space. Like almost, I think every shark from shark tank has been on his show. Like he's interviewed some of the best people out there. He has better connections. He has more money. He has more knowledge. Like what in the world would I be able to offer John as a 24 year old kid with zero online experience and not even like starting the podcast yet? Like what can I possibly do? so i looked at my skills and i looked at what i did have which was time so i had some skill sets that i had developed knocking doors and i had time that i could give um, and, uh, and I ended up actually doing like all of the above. I took the resources that I did have, I invested in a three-day mastermind at his house in Puerto Rico, um, got down there, and then uh, I volunteered while I was down there to work a booth for him for free. So not only did I pay him, but I offered value for free, volunteered my time after I paid him to learn from him. Um, because I think it's all about taking the uncommon action and going the extra mile, doing the things that make you stand out to the people that have thousands of people reach out to them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, If you're one of those people, you're just going to be lost in the noise. And you might get an email back or a response. But like, I'm not trying to have somebody just email me back. I want a friendship. I want a relationship. I want like a, you know, like if I text John right now and ask him a question about my podcast, I know he's going to text me back. Like, that's what I wanted. So I knew I had to take the uncommon action and differentiate myself from everybody else that did it. I even went as far, bro, this is okay. So this is a, this is a funny story so I, I I went as far as to like when I before I left for Puerto Rico which is where John lives I was like man I, I got to figure out a way to add value to this guy because you know this I I, I, I like worst case scenario for me is going to his house and coming back with just information. Right. Like I, I want like a relationship. I want, you know, a, a, a unofficial mentor is really what I was yeah. thinking. Like I, I, he, I heard
1: he, you say you like you value connection
0: more than content. Right. Yeah. Correct. So I, I, cause I think you can get content anywhere, you right. know, like connection only comes from like, like good connection comes in person like one-on-one face to face and you want to take advantage of those times that you have. So, um, when, when I was looking at man, what kind of value could I offer to this guy? I, I, uh, I looked at my skill sets again, and I was like, "Oh, I used to do photography." And so I was like, I'll, "I'll bring my I'll bring my camera down to Puerto Rico. I'll get some nice shots of their beautiful home with the infinity pool overlooking the ocean and like the sunset." And I'm gonna like give it to them for free. And I was like, "And even better." I'm going to go buy a drone so that I can get some awesome drone footage of their house. And like, they'll, they'll post it online because I can do one of those awesome drone shots, you know, that you see on travel videos all the time yeah. where they like push out from the infinity pool and everybody's like waving and stuff. I was like, this is going to be awesome. So I go, I buy this drone. It's a $1,200 drone in addition to the $6,500 weekend plus airfare. So now I'm at like 10 grand for this one, like three day experience and uh fly down to Puerto Rico the first night. I I'm not a drone flyer <laughs> ever. So I did a lot of photography, photography, but with a camera, never a drone. So I, the first night I throw up the drone and I'm like, okay, better test this baby out, see how it works. Um, That way I I don't know. I don't, I don't look like an absolute idiot tomorrow when I try to like, you know, take some pictures of this guy's house. So I go up to the rooftop of like the little condo we're staying at, put the drone up in the air. It was cool. It was flying around, got to see some awesome parts of Puerto Rico. It was beautiful, like sunset time. It was so, so, so um, gorgeous over there. And then I go to land the drone and I had this picture in my head of what a drone landing should look like. And, uh, I, I thought that it would be like a lot more automated than it was. I thought it was just like, Hey, come back drone. And then it like comes and lands exactly where you're standing and everything's all good to go. Uh, so I, I quickly found out that that was, that was not how it happened. And long story short, <laughs> uh, on the drone, on the way down, propeller catches this plant it spins out crashes into the block wall two of the propellers break off and like there go my hopes and dreams of adding value along with my $1,200 drone. And, uh, but, but I I say that story just to explain like to the extent that I went to, to try to figure out a way to add value, no matter what it took. And however I could possibly find a way to add value. Now I ended up getting lucky. And the, over the course of the next couple of days, um, I found out John was going to be keynoting at an event coming up. He had a, a, a booth and he wanted to sell his journals at that booth. He had a, Guy that was volunteering to sell journals that didn't know what he was doing when it comes to sales, so he was like, "Hey Travis, you have a big background in sales. Can you stop by the booth for like ten minutes and give him a couple tips? Maybe a couple of like closings or or one liners that he could use to sell more journals." And that 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 was when I saw my in and that's when I volunteered and said, hey, you know what, I'll I'll go ahead and just work the booth for you. Um, So I did that for that event. And then I did really well with that. So he invited me to another event, which is where I met um, Cole Hatter, who became another mentor of mine, jumped into his mastermind, got super involved with that community, became their top affiliate for two years in a row for their event. Um, And uh, just different things like that, that all led from the opportunity that I took advantage of and looked for to add value to somebody like John, even though I didn't have much to offer at the time.
1: Oh, that's a fantastic story. I love that. And where are you and John today? You guys still stay in contact?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Just hung out with him over at Podcast Movement a a month or two ago. Um, And uh, yeah, he's... a huge, like I said, unofficial mentor. Like he, he uh-huh. never, um, by the time that I started my journey, he was done with one-on-one coaching and stuff. And so, um, I, that was my goal is just like, Hey, I, I just want to build like a real relationship, real friendship, add as much value as I can, um, be a top student success story for him enough to where he feels like he can introduce me to other people and implement what he tells me to implement so that he's not wasting his time when he gives me advice. Nice. Um, and so now like anytime I text him, like, it's not always about business. Um, some like they, they, you know, text me on my, on my birthday and about my son and like all that kind of stuff, share pictures, all that good stuff. But, um, what it is about business that him and his girlfriend, Kate, they, they always get back to me and, uh, and help me out with any tips, advice they, they help me with connections, like different things like that. So.
1: Oh, that's amazing. So you got a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I take pride in the fact that, um, you know, I developed so many friendships over the years. I mean, at my wedding, this was almost 10 years ago, there was about two tables, of just internet marketers, can <laughs> like imagine uh, very few of us. I don't think any of us. I, I was one of the first guys that got married. we all they were all with their girlfriends. Most of them all became their wives. And uh, you know, to the, I was in a couple of their weddings. They were uh, a few guys were in my wedding. So like, yeah, it really does become a real thing. And uh, I think when I learned in relationships is slow equals fast, and uh, mm. you know, people try and get them in get into them quickly for like a transaction nothing really comes of it uh you know my approach over the years is um always not to just kind of have a one-off uh with somebody to but but to be a regular fixture in each other's calendars Mm, you know you know i don't want to you know be on your show once i want us to let's do a couple shows this year i don't want you to come to my event once i want you to come to all my events like it's and that's just requires a different vision and uh, value on the relationship. Yeah, totally.
0: And I think it comes from a place of, of creating real value and having a real like friendship and relationship there because um, uh, like the, like the people, the people that you bring into your circle, the people that you add value to, like you want those, a lot of those good relationships to be reciprocating type relationships. Um, and so when, when you just continually add value without expecting that reciprocation, um, you, you end up just creating a ton of allies, even if you don't communicate all the time, even if you're not, you know, text buddies or, or, you know, commenting on every Facebook or Instagram post that each other have or whatever, like you're creating more people in the world that are conspiring for you that are that are that are in your corner that are rooting for you that when your name comes up they say yeah i had a great interaction with him i wish him the best like when you have that many people that are like just really hoping and 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 praying for your continued success like it's only good things that happen from that
1: All right. Two things I want to, I don't want to make sure, I want to make sure we don't miss, let's miss these things. I want to talk about, you know, your way of like, heck, how did you connect with, how'd you get Grant Cardone on your show? I, I, uh, you know, I don't even know where to start there. You know, How, how do you get Tom Bilyeu on your show? Like I want to just start hearing kind of like some of the strategies, tactics, like if I want to continue to bring great guests on, how do you do it? Not just to have a mom, but to ensure that it goes well for them and they, they're looking forward to it and it becomes something that can even continue on. So, um, cause some of these guys are just nice guys, you know, some of them will just, I'll go on people's shows and I don't really know. And I'm like, it's not the best use of my time, but I'll do it cause I'm a pretty nice guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, and sometimes you might get lucky, but how do you ensure that it's, you know, you've got a strategic approach to this so that it's, it's done well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, okay. So yeah, I, so I'm going to give you a
0: couple of specific examples, uh, starting with grant. Um, that one was not easy. It was pretty difficult. Um, the first time that I reached out, I was, um uh, I was just starting my show. I was pretty audacious to to be asking huge names when I first started my show, uh, but I had, I got the the proper response from the majority of them, like no, or totally ignored, or come back when you have X amount of episodes or X amount of downloads or whatever. Um, well, what and kind so- of
1: downloads are they looking for? Just. To- uh, uh,
0: when I first reached out to Kevin Harrington's team, they told me a thousand downloads an episode. They like reach back out when you hit a thousand downloads an episode. At the time, I was like, "Oh, that'll be easy." I didn't realize how difficult it was to get to a thousand downloads an episode um, when you're starting from scratch and have zero pre-existing audience or customer base. Um, so it was it was uh, definitely a trek. But I ended up I ended up getting him on when I had like three hundred downloads an episode. I just found the back door, right? I found somebody that connected me to him through. Well, what's the
1: number you got to hit to kind of get pretty much everyone, but like. Like you're gonna get, you're gonna get per, pretty much seventy, eighty percent of people you're thinking with this number.
0: Yeah. So here's what I figured out people care way more about credibility than they do about download numbers so I have actually never shared my download numbers with any potential guests that have come on the show um, uh, I, I like because I don't have like I don't have like it, super impressive numbers like I'm not like a 5 million downloads a month or 3 million downloads a month so like whatever I say is not going to be super impressive so I focus on what is super impressive which is my guest list my guest lineup the people that that I've had on my show, uh, the credibility that, that brings is is greater than any numbers because a lot of people don't trust people's numbers anyway because you can't, <laughs> you can't verify That's podcast so numbers. That's so funny. And uh, man, I've, I've, been told, I've been told so many things from people that try to get me on their show. And like, I'll ask one or two questions back and it's just like, oh, well, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's this way because of this, blah, blah, blah. And then, or, or people will take their total all-time downloads and advertise it as their monthly downloads. So like, I don't really yeah. trust people's numbers anyway. Like there's only a couple of people that I actually trust when they tell me what their numbers are. Do, do you so, have a
1: number that you would require for you to go on a show?
0: I don't. No. I, I usually say yes to just about anybody that'll ask me because I know what it was like to be starting from scratch. And I, I, I do I do truly like what you were saying. I, I try to, you know, be a nice person and, and try to you know extend help downward. I, I tell people you have to have a well-rounded network. So what I mean by that is you have to have you have to be networking out. Most people only network out meaning they only network with people that are on a same or similar level to where they're operating on. What I tell people is you got to be on, you got to be networking out. You have to have people that you can collaborate with that are similar, same level you can brainstorm with. You probably can give each other a good amount of each other's time because you're, you're probably around the same area. And then you want to be networking up with all the people who are operating at a level that's so much higher than you are. You can't even comprehend it. Um, and then you want to be networking down. You want to be helping out people that used to be where you were, because wouldn't you have liked that when you were at that position? And I think that that, uh, like having having all three of those is, is really important to having like a really well-rounded network, always helping people up, always being helped up. And then always collaborating across, I think is, is really, really important.
1: Yeah. It's a beautiful picture with you in the middle and a hand with someone pulling you one way and then your hand reaching out in the other direction, pulling somebody along. Mm -hmm. It's a great picture. So, okay, let's go back to, so some of these strategies, you know, you're reaching out, you're getting Mm no's, um, Get the downloads up uh, what, what, what's what's How do so, these
0: outcomes come to be yeah, so with grant specifically um I got ignored i've reached out to him he uh, totally like uh, I saw that he read it, you know it was on Instagram, and just like totally ignored it, and I was like, okay that 's understandable, <laughs> uh, so I was like okay, I got to figure out a way to get his attention, right so um he was speaking at this event called Thrive, which was put on by my buddy Cole. Um, um and another mentor of mine the 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 event that john brought me to the second time so this tells you like how every, everything kind of goes back to that like one decision that i made to add value and build that relationship because john invited me to this event grant and elena were both speaking at this event and so i i was standing in the back at john's booth and when grant and elena walked in there were some stragglers in the back that uh everybody just swarmed grant which brings me to my first point which is never ever ever neglect the inner circle. People have this idea where like they want to connect with the person and uh, so they ignore everybody else and they they forget to treat people like human beings because they're so focused on connecting with this individual, right? It's not about connecting with this individual. It's about building real relationships. And so uh, there was like 10 people that swarmed Grant in the back of the room. And this was before Elena really focused on building her personal brand a couple years ago. And uh, so I just talked to Elena. So while 10 people... got 30 seconds of Grant's time. I got 10 minutes of Elena's time and was able to make an actual impression. And so we, we, we sat there in the back, we talked for a little bit, and then I ended up asking her to come on my show. She came on my show. It took me like two months to get her on because her schedule was so crazy. Um, But uh, after being persistent with reaching out, she finally came on the show and she offered to introduce me to Grant, which I thought was the end of it. I was like, okay, awesome. Getting introduction from Elena. Grant's coming on the show. This is awesome. But uh, his gatekeeper still stopped it, bro still stopped it. Like a literal, an introduction from his wife and his gatekeeper was like, Nope. And to her credit, she was doing her job. I'm, I'm pretty good friends with her now. Um, but, uh, she was doing her job and, and, and preventing somebody from getting in. Uh, but at the time it was really freaking annoying because <laughs> no, I thought that I, I thought that I was in, you know? And, uh, so at, at that point I had one of two options, either give up or figure out another way. Um, so this is the problem with most people is that they go, they try to go through the front door, and when the front door is locked they give up and they leave right like when the front door is locked for me i'm going to try to go around like find an open window i'm going to try to kick down the back door like i'm I'm going to try to figure out another way in the house there's another way to get in the house besides just the front door um so when people try the most obvious way which is the front door they give up after that because the front door wasn't open so you got to be got to get a little bit creative and so i i basically just decided you know what if I get enough people in Grant's circle, if I, I tell people it's it's about hacking circles, ethically hacking circles, and uh, if I can get enough people in Grant's circle, then he has to give me the time of day. I live by Steve Martin's quote: "Be so good they can't ignore you." And so I was like, "What would make it to where Grant cannot ignore me anymore?" And uh, that's what I did. So I got I, after I used my interview with Elena, I leveraged that connection to get people like Ed Milette, Brad Lee. Um, uh, Lori Harder, Carrie uh, Kasem, a bunch of people that I knew that he knows, likes, and trusts, done business with, and they had spoken at his conferences. So I started knocking off people off that list one by one. When the second time I reached out to Grant, you know, nine months after the first time that I did this time I got to list off 11 names of people that I knew that he knew not just knew but had like done business with enough like had trusted enough to do business with and then I listed out all those names and the very last one was like oh and Elena also came on so now it's probably about time to get you on and then he responded and said yes let's do it
1: and where did it happen where'd you guys meet so I, in
0: the message that I reached out I, to him with, I, I said, I got the photo
1: uh, here on your Instagram. I'm looking at it. If you can connect with the top 1%, you can become the top 1%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, And he's <laughs> pointing at you as if you're the man, uh, basically. Yeah. That was in, so that was at
0: his office in Miami he's, he's and, excited, uh, man. I basically just told him (laughs) um, when I reached out and I was like, oh yeah, I've had all these 11 people on. I I said, uh, I'm actually going to be in Miami next week um, for like, you know, four or five days for like some other business thing. So it would be cool to stop by and get this done in person. And, uh, so he said, yeah, go ahead and stop by. Uh, but the, the thing was, uh, I, I was not going to be in Miami that week. So I had to then like book my ticket and just go out and hope that it was actually going to happen.
1: That was awesome. Well, that's so, so cool. And, uh, that's it. And I think, um, you know, there's so many other ways, but I think that's, one of the most powerful ways to start getting into circles. I connect, I built a relationship with Jared Glant, you know, just pulling him aside at the two of the 10 X camps that I went to and just asking him for advice more. I, mm-hmm. I know you're, you know, one of your neat strategies um, is to, you know, ask one of your mentors or possible um, prospects to be guests, you know, what book do you recommend? Mm-hmm. And we don't have a ton of time. Uh, I want to make sure we um, we finish on time here, but you know that strategy you shared on joel 's podcast was brilliant, which was to find out what book they recommend and then come back to them with your top insights. I shared that with a lot of our mastermind members such a simple thing to do to show that yeah, i 'm serious about my growth i 'm a man exactly. of my
0: because every everybody who has everybody who 's strapped for their time has had dozens of people reach out they 've given dozens of people advice and none of them do it. So when you're reaching out to somebody who's strapped on time, you have to make it, you have to make them understand that, Hey, look, I'm somebody that's worth giving your time to. Kind of what I was saying about John Lee Dumas earlier when it came to me is I was like, he like, like John, I've built a reputation now enough with John, where he knows that if he makes an introduction for me, or he gives me a piece of advice or information that I'm actually going to take it to heart. And I'm going to maximize that, which means that he can give me more of his time because it's not wasted time. It's not like people, it's not like people at that. That level just don't like helping people. They like helping people. It's just that most people don't want to be helped. So prove yourself to be a person that wants to be helped and like people will genuinely like extend their help to you a lot more often.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And yeah, you know, back to Jared, you know, I just, I'm just kind of letting that one naturally grow, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, getting advice from him, taking action on it, and then you know, from one of their boot camps, I produced a really big uh, little case study from some advice I took from them, and I sent that to them, and mm-hmm. uh, that's always been one of my ins with bigger individuals become a success story for them. Yeah, and they put you out there because they because that's what I need to grow my business right now. I need success stories. So I tell my students, right. you know, if you want me to keep elevating, you make it easy for me. And I've always done that for, um, you know, that's why I'm essentially, a, you know, I've, I'm a product of masterminds, kind of looping back, connecting these two conversations of, you know, um, selling something that you believe in. Um, I am a product of masterminds, so I join them. But then, then how, do, how does that tie into networking, Vince? Directly. So I join a mastermind and I become the coach's top student. All right. Now, what does that coach do? He props me up. Hmm. Bay just brings me on the Empire podcast. Boom. Within a week, we have like three new mastermind members just from me being on that show. 40 minutes of my time. I was already there. I slipped into the room on the lunch break to record a podcast and just tell my story. Uh, you know, Dan Locke, Hey, invite him out to my event. I'd love for you to speak. And he was creating a product called high ticket influencer. Uh, you know, again, this was like kind of figuring out what was a, a need of his and to the modules they wanted to create was, uh, his eight step, um, his, uh, his eight figure webinar formula, his slide by slide, step by step, eight figure webinar formula. And then he wanted to create a YouTube module uh, for this course he was already creating. So I gave him a stage to speak on and Mm. it became a part of that product. And then, you know, I found out he's coming out with a book. I said, Hey, I'd love to buy a copy. Um, And they actually hit me up for more copies than I was planning on getting, but I said, yeah, no problem. Uh, And I'm like, done deal. So, just kind of, you know, leading with finding out what they need. And that typically requires a conversation. And prior to the conversation, that requires a relationship. And, um, you know, I don't have like a, you know, that wouldn't, I don't know if that's called secret sauce, but that's been kind of, you know, just some of the key ingredients. And then what you just, you know, really nailed is to figure out the feedback is that maybe he hasn't seen enough guys on your show that he respects, whatever. That's his thing. And that's good. Now you know that. Okay, great. All right. I'll work with these guys and he'll come later. Yeah. What, what
0: it does is, um, when people don't recognize your name, they don't have any no like, or trust with you. So your job is to get them to the trust stage as quickly as possible. And, uh, that's, that's just like the way that I've found. Cause like, even if I, he has no reason to believe that my numbers are accurate You know what I'm saying? Like I could reach out and be like, hey, Grant, I get a million downloads a month. And he's like, I've never heard of you. Then like what is then where do we go from there? Like, Oh, do I do I like send you pictures of my back office? Did do you even care about that? Like like what you have to really try to figure out what these people care about. And um, so the the big thing is that when you list off a bunch of names of people that they do know like and trust, you're sharing that trust like you are leveraging the trust that those people have taken in their lives to build relationships with Grant and you're leveraging that trust that he has with them to get him to trust you in a like much much faster way because he doesn't feel like he has to do, do, do due diligence at that point like every request that comes in his inbox he's like hey somebody look into this see if it's worth my time right like he doesn't have to do that with this one because I've taken all the guesswork out of it because, Hey, if if it's good enough for Ed Milet and Brad Lee and Elena and, um, and you know, Carrie Kasem and all these other people, like, then Kevin Harrington, it's probably good enough for me. So let's go ahead and book it. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're taking away, you're taking away all the resistance to yes, by, by getting, by getting, by, by putting out that trust factor, um, leveraging those existing connections.
1: I love it. So we've pretty much summed up some of the most important things to explode your network fast. Is there anything else we missed though?
0: Start a podcast, man. I'm such a proponent. I mean, obviously I'm a podcast coach and consultant, so it's easy for me to say, but um, people have this um, limiting belief that they don't want to start a podcast because uh, it'll take too much of their time. And uh, and so they, they can't dedicate enough time to it to become, you know, a top 10 podcast. And it's like, look, the the only reason like having 10 million downloads is not the only reason that you should start a show there's so many other benefits that come along with it and the number one benefit is exploding your network like the fact that i've had th- like now 340 episodes of the show like that has literally been my accountability partner to connect with 250, like, I think of those 340, 250 or interviews. So like 250 people that I would otherwise have never connected with and actually like ha- chat with them for 45 minutes to an hour. It's like, it's, ex- it's absolutely exploded my network, man. Like I went from knowing absolutely zero people, like I told you at the beginning of this conversation, to having conversations with like my heroes, people. Like I just had Tillman Fertita on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, the owner of the Houston Houston Rockets, he's the largest, like, he, he owns the largest privately held company in the country. He's number like 143 on Forbes richest people in the world list. Um, like conversation with people like that. I, I, n- I never thought that that would be possible for me to have like 40 minutes of that guy's time without paying for it at least. Like, But my podcast gives me a vehicle. It gives me the perfect excuse that I need to be able to connect with anybody that I want to within my industry and my niche. And so like, even if you're not going to use the show to get a million downloads and you don't really like, don't focus on the numbers, focus on the relationships that you can get because of it. Uh, because there's so many people that are willing to hop on a 30-minute podcast episode that aren't willing to hop on a three-minute phone call. Like, if you don't believe me, test it out. If you're listening to this right now, test it out. Ask ask your top 10 heroes, like in your business or like in your industry or niche. If you're in real estate, make it real estate. If you're in online fitness, then Vince would be on that list. Like people like that. Make that list of the top 10 people and reach out to five of them and ask for three minutes of their time on a phone call and reach out to the other five and ask for 30 minutes on a podcast interview and see what, how many positive responses you get from each of those five reach outs, I guarantee you, you'll get better responses from asking people to be on a podcast. So like, even, even if you have a show, that's not going, like you don't intend for it to be a top five podcast, like, don't let that be the thing to hold you back from doing it. Use it as a way to like build your ideal connections within your industry, within your space. And I I promise you it'll be worth your time.
1: That's amazing. One last uh, little selfish question. What's your, you know, best tip for booking on other people's podcasts for you to get seen in front of their audience.
0: Yeah, this one's tough, bro, because this is the number one way to grow your podcast audience. I always ask people like, "Hey, where do podcast listeners hang out?" Yeah, other other podcasts, right? Like the only way to guarantee that somebody's a podcast listener is to reach them on a podcast. So the only way, the best way to grow your podcast is not through like Facebook ads or YouTube or anything like that. It's through podcast spots. So uh, the number one way is through relationships. The number two way is hiring an agency that books people on other people's shows. Um, the, the the reason I say the number one way is relationships because I've probably been on 50 interviews, um, like 50 other podcasts, maybe 60 at this point, I haven't counted in a while. Um, but I've been on a lot of other shows there's probably five shows that have actually moved the needle and brought in people to my business. And all five of them were through a personal relationship that I made with the host. Which which
1: ones are, which ones are those? I got to
0: add those to my list. Yeah. So entrepreneur on fire. uh, I've been on there twice now. Um, born to impact with Joel. Um, uh, let's see a hundred dollar MBA show with uh, my buddy, Omar, uh, Hmm. Uh, that was a, uh, he has a good size audience. And then, um, uh, bigger pockets, bigger pockets was a really big one. Uh, they're the largest real estate investing podcast out there. Um, so that one will, that that, there's four right there. And there's two that are coming up that I assume will be like the same, um, needle movers, of with, with, uh, with, with the audience now going forward. And those were both also from relationships introductions.
1: Oh, that's amazing, man. Hey, I really appreciate your time and your knowledge, your experiences. And, uh, just the uh the work you've done building relationships, man. It's it's uh you know, something you can't you can't buy. You know, you have to really just put that time in. You know, that's how they say love is spelt by the way. T I M mm, E. You yeah. just got if you if you if you love relationships, show me. <laughs> Don't tell yep. me.
0: Yep. So true, man. <laughs> you yeah. know
1: what I'm saying? So uh this is great, man. Looking forward to continue to get to know each other uh in the coming months and um uh, it'll be awesome that uh Awesome to link up one day. I'm sure it'll happen sooner than later.
0: Yeah. Well, didn't you join Joel's and Dan's thing?
1: Yeah, I'm in. Mean, yeah.
0: Uh, I just committed last week. So. Did you really? We'll, yep. We'll, Sick, so man. I'll see you in November.
1: Congratulations, <laughs> yeah. man. Oh, it's yeah, going to be so awesome. I mean, it's it's a no brainer. It's, it's, you know, gosh, how can you not explode from, man, oh man, I can't wait. I just wish it would come faster.
0: Going to be a good time, bro, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I just got off a, a call with Yaya uh, Bakar and uh, oh, he's yeah. joined as well. So it sounds like we're going to have a, uh, it's going to be crazy. I, Solid I, crew. I, oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. So, Hey, um, we could go on and on and, uh, you know, we didn't even really get deep into the business of podcasting. Maybe we can have you come speak to our mastermind members on a weekly specialist training and
0: anytime, and, man.
1: And dig in there. Uh, I would love for you just to close this out and just kind of share. Um, where can people learn more about you? Connect with you and tap into what you're doing. Your channels, websites, etc.
0: Yeah, so the podcast is number one thing. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably like some of the stuff that I have on my show. It's build your network. Um, you can find that on like iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. If you go to Travischapel.com slash show um, and uh, chapels two p's two l's, everything else I do is also on my on that particular site. So travischapel. Com. Um, and then if you want, uh, there, there's there's a free course that I have available. If that's cool, Vince, um, it's um, it's called Meet sure. Your Hero. And it's like six, seven modules, uh, just uh, a lot of things about what I know of how to reach out to the heroes that you have in your life, um, and uh, so it's a lot of actual information, a couple downloads, and all that good stuff. Got a lot of great feedback on that, and you can just grab that at
1: MeteorHeroCourse.com. That's amazing, man. We'll get it all in the show notes. Hey, listen, everyone, this is your opportunity to bless someone who are you thinking of right now that wants to uh, grow their network the right way the authentic way whoever that person is this is what you're going to do next you're going to take a screenshot of this episode it's going to take you a whopping three seconds and then you're going to fire it off to them and attach the link to this show and uh, just say "Was thinking about your bro or I was thinking about your sis you'll love this episode and uh, gift somebody this episode today and um, if you like you can even tag me and um, uh, track. Travis here, and we'll uh, likely share back out for you as well, give you some visibility. So, thank you once again, Travis. Thanks for joining us. That was a killer, killer episode. So much value, man. Really enjoyed it.
0: Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me on.